Good singing, Brinesburg. Amen. Good morning. Good to see everybody today. Uh, there's something falling from the sky that looks like it's liquid of some type. And uh, that has been a great thing this weekend. We praise the Lord for the rain. We have desperately needed it. And I'm uh, so thankful to be able to get it over the last few days. Uh, but most thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are here to praise him. We are here to lift up his name. Uh, because he is wonderful, he is glorious, he is the one who came, lived a sinless, perfect life, went to the cross of Calvary and died in our place, and is risen and is on the throne, and because of that, we have a reason to worship and celebrate this morning. For those of you that are joining us through television or through Facebook Live today, we want to welcome you. I'm Brother Brad Walker, I'm the pastor here at Brinesford Baptist Church. We're so glad to have you with us, and there on Facebook, there in the comment section, let us know, put your name there in the comment section. We love to know who's worshiping with us and any prayer requests that you might have, any needs that you might have. And we've got folks that are monitoring that and we'd love to reach out to you in that way this morning. And for those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you as well this morning. So glad to have you join us in worship today. If you will, there is a card in front of you in that pew. If you'll take that out and fill it out. And then there is an offering plate on the large table, the round table right there in the middle of the foyer. Place it in there, and you know, that helps us to know of your attendance and how we can minister to you and your family, and so glad to have you with us today. So there is a lot going on. I hope that you've looked at the bulletin and seen those things that pertain to you. A few things that I want to point out to you, um, beginning this Wednesday night, uh, we're going to be beginning to have a grief share group, uh, and that's going to start this Wednesday night during our discipleship university time. And so if you have lost a loved one in even just the last few years, and you just need some, some help with that, you need some support in that, somebody to love on you and walk through that with you who's been in the same place as you, this is going to be a great opportunity, a great place of support, a great place for you to find that love and care maybe that you've been looking for during a difficult season of life. And so that'll be on Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, our normal discipleship time. And so uh, we hope that'll be something that'll be a blessing to many who are walking through that season of life right now. Also want to remind all of those who are maybe a teacher, maybe you're in charge of a ministry group, a committee of any kind, uh, music, all kinds of, of, of areas like that. We're going to be having this year's Equip Conference, which is our big training through the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and that's coming to Paducah, and it'll be on August the 23rd at First Baptist Church. We would love for you to go, and so much so that we're going to pay for it for you. Uh, what we need from you is something very simple. We need your name. We need you to write your name down and check the mark that you want to go to the conference. And then if you want to have dinner with us that night, we also need you to check that. And all that's going to be covered. We just need to know how many are going to be at each the conference and for the dinner. So if you would, please let, let me know. Maybe you say, well, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a, a member of a, of a committee that is responsible. That's okay. If you just want some training, maybe you're looking to start a ministry of that type. Maybe you're just wondering how you could, uh, you know, become a part of a particular type of ministry. These are some great classes, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. And it's just that one night, a very simple time for you to go and, and get a lot of encouragement. And so I'd love for you to sign up, and uh, we will cover the cost of that. But uh, let us know that by putting your name on that list. Also, uh, notice that uh, we're going to be having uh, the Hope Clinic Banquet. There's also a sign-up sheet out there if you'd be interested in going. We have 10 spots, not a whole lot of spots. So that's something you're interested in being a part of. Please do sign up so that we know that you're wanting to go. A lot of other things on your, uh, in your bulletin that pertain to you and to your family and want you to see those and uh, take part. 
If you have been watching the news at all this week, you know of the devastating flooding in eastern Kentucky. And you know of the way that that has impacted so many different communities. Um, and so uh, this morning as Kentucky Baptist, uh, we are trying to do all that we can to support our fellow churches, our fellow associations, but also just those folks in eastern Kentucky that are going through a lot of what we went through in the aftermath of the storms of December 10th the loss of just huge parts of their community, uh, multiple families that have lost loved ones, multiple families that have lost homes, multiple um, business owners who have lost their businesses. Devastation that we understand because we just went through it. And so we want to have the opportunity for you to be able um, to reach out and love on those folks. First of all, here in just a moment, we're going to do the most important thing that we can do, and we're going to intercede on their behalf. We're going to pray for them. And uh, we're going to ask the Lord to, to meet the needs of, 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 the li of their lives that they're going through right now. But then we're also going to put action to those prayers by having an opportunity for you to be able to give and, and uh, show you how that happened. But you see uh, on the screen just some of the examples of the photos of the devastation of the things that these communities are going through. And uh, for those of you that have ever been to Lynch on a mission trip or any other parts of eastern Kentucky, you know that many of those communities are built at the bottom of those hollers and those rainstorms that have come and the water just rushed down and those little creeks that are maybe as big as the center aisle here have become lakes and overtaken their communities and so the uh, devastation has been uh, vast and so we certainly want to uh, give you the opportunity to be able to give and so um, if you'd like to give and you'd like to do that online uh, very simply you can go to kybaptist.org and that is the Kentucky Baptist Convention's website. And when you go to that, that website, the very first page, you're going to see uh, Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief. And so you can click on there, and it'll lead you very simply of how you can give with your credit card or your debit card, and you can give that way. If you say, well, I don't give with debit cards and credit cards, that's okay. Uh, if you want to give through the church, you can do that as well. But you, would do, you do need to very clearly mark on that uh, envelope that you're giving um, however much for Eastern Kentucky flood relief, uh, and, and we'll know that by, by you putting that on the envelope. But uh, we want to be able to give. We want to be able to show them the love that was shown to us in the aftermath of the storms in December. It's going to be a long re rebuild, we know, uh, for them just like it has been for us. And uh, we're sending disaster relief teams through the association, uh, through the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Uh, they're they're going to be there through the long haul of this. And uh, so we want them to know that they're not alone, that we are going to support them, and that the Lord's there. And he's going gi to give them all that they need, supply every need uh, right when they need it. And we've, we've seen the Lord do that in our case, and we know that he will do it in theirs as well. And so uh, let's lift up these needs of our neighbors on the other side of the state this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we thank you that you are the God who provides. Lord, you know the hurts in our lives. Lord, you know the pains of us finding ourselves in the very middle of the storm. And Lord, we felt that this winter during the tornadoes. And Lord, our neighbors to the east are feeling that after the storms here in July. And Lord, we pray that you would give us opportunities uh, to be able to reach out and to love on them. Lord, we're thankful for the disaster relief teams that are that are already on the ground and those that are going to head there as the floodwaters subside and, and more can be done to clean up. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us to meet physical needs, Lord, to financially 
supply for some of the needs that they're going to have, and we know they will be vast. And so, Lord, we thank you for um, the opportunity to join you in the work that you're doing in, in their lives right now. Lord, we thank you that um, you, you recognize the hurt in each and every family. Uh, Lord, those that have lost loved ones, we, we can't imagine the grief, but Lord, we know that you're the comforter. Um, for Lord, those that have lost homes and businesses, and Lord, those that have lost church buildings, uh, Lord, we, we know that you are the great provider. And Lord, we recognize that uh, they're going to need our support. They're going to need the support of this entire commonwealth, uh, but most importantly of the church. And so Lord, help us to rise up and be who you have called us to be, the hands and feet of Jesus. To your honor and to your glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is one of my favorite times of the year as our faculty and staff members and as our students get ready to go back on to the mission field that is their local school campuses. And the Lord has certainly blessed us richly as a community uh, with a great public school system. He's blessed us with some wonderful 
Christian schools. He's blessed us with some uh, wonderful home schools as well, uh, families that are uh, uh, teaching their children at home. And uh, we're so blessed to be able to have all of those different options here in Marshall County. And so whenever our public schools go back, the Sunday before, uh, we always call that uh, Backpack Blessing Sunday. And it's an opportunity for us to commission um, all of these folks the Lord has sent back to those campuses uh, to be the missionaries that he has called to be there. And so this morning, I'm going to ask our faculty, our staff, anybody who works in the school systems or in our uh, local universities and colleges to come up. But I also want, if, you have a fam- if you're a family member of, of one of those folks, for you to come up so that you can lay hands on them as we get ready to pray over them this morning. And so all of our kids, all of our students come up, uh, teachers, faculty, staff, if you're a, a bus driver, if you're a cafeteria worker, an aide, uh, if you work in our schools in any way, if you'd come up, and then if you're a spouse that wants to lay hands on them, if you're a parent that wants to lay hands on them, if you're a friend <laughs> that wants to lay hands on them, feel free to do that as uh, we get ready to pray over them this morning. I'd like for each child to have a parent praying over their child as well. Amen. Because going back to school is just as much a part of these parents as it is uh, these kids as they, as they disciple them and prepare them. Isn't this awesome? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's give the Lord a hand for the. Amen quite a missionary force uh, that we're sp- sending back onto our school campuses this year. And uh, they have these backpacks up here. Uh, they're going to receive a tag uh, that represents our church family praying for them, uh, represents our, school, uh, our, our church family praying over their schools. And so each teacher, each faculty member and staff member, as well as each student will receive one of those tags that they can place on this bag. And we hope that that's just a reminder on a daily basis that they're not alone, that they have a church family that is interceding on their behalf. And so at this time, uh, we want to pray for them today. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for each teacher that stands before us this morning. Lord, thank you for each instructional aide. Lord, thank you for each cafeteria worker. Thank you for each bus driver. Lord, thank you for each um, school board worker, Lord. Thank you for Each of these students, whether it be in the preschool or in one of our elementary schools or in one of our middle schools or in the high school, Lord, thank you for the witness that they represent going back onto that school campus. Lord, thank you for each parent. Lord, thank you for each grandparent. Lord, thank you for each spouse that is going to be standing in the gap praying for them. Lord, thank you for a church that recognizes It recognizes the responsibility you have given us to reach our schools with the gospel. And so, Lord, this morning we pray for them in so many different ways. Lord, we pray for them to have courage as they go back. Lord, it can be an intimidating place for kids and and for adults alike. Lord, I pray that you'd give them courage as they step back on to that missionary field of their schools. Lord, that they can have boldness in their witness. Lord, I pray over them safety this year. Lord, I pray that you would make these schools a safe place. Lord, I pray that you would make it a place where they they feel that that they are loved and cared for. Lord, I pray for 
for teachers that are going to need to be that person that loves that child who may not feel that in any other place, but Lord, they recognize it inside of that classroom. Lord, I pray for their academic year. Lord, I pray that you would make them successful recognizing that in all they do, whether it be in academics or whether it be in their extracurriculars, that they're not doing it under man, but they're doing it under the Lord, that they are doing it as a testimony that they are yours. And so, Lord, help them to do it all to your honor and glory and praise. And, Lord, I just pray that you would help us as a church family to, throughout this school year, pray for each of the folks standing before us, recognizing that they are special, they are loved, they are precious in your sight, and recognizing that each of them represents a soul that you love. And for those that don't yet know you, that they would come to know you as Savior and Lord, even this school year, to your honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. You can go back to your seat. Kids, you can go back to children's worship. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing a song. He keeps me singing. Let's praise him. Jesus. 
Circumstances would change. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Nadia, for that special music. And what a blessed church we are uh, to have young families with children and youth. Uh, but not only to have young, young families with children and youth, but to have them who want to lead in worship, who want to use those talents and abilities the Lord has given to them. And uh, I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for the, the work that he is doing here at Brinesville Baptist Church. This morning, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew to Matthew chapter 16 again this week. As we ask another important question this morning that demands an answer, and that is the question, what is a Christian? And as you turn there to Matthew 16, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that you have already given us today to lift up our hearts and vo voices and praise to you, to lift up our, our prayers to you, and to know that not only do you hear us, but you intercede and you change situations and circumstances because, Lord, you are God and you are powerful and you're bigger than any situation or circumstance that we may face. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to lift up our teachers. Thank you for a 
the opportunity for us to lift up our staff. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to lift up our precious children from the little bitties to the ones who are in college. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to commission these who know you and serve you and love you to be the missionaries you've called them to be on the campuses where you have sent them. And Lord, now thank you for the opportunity to study your word. And as we answer this important question of what does it really mean to be a Christian, there are a lot of different ideas of what it means to be a Christian. There's a lot of confusion about what it means to be a Christian. But Lord, I pray that today there will be clarity as we think about what does it mean to truly follow you with all our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Lord, help us to be true Christians in the sense that you had in mind through your word. Lord, I know that I'm a very weak vessel. I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you be seen and only you be heard. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 24. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and be raised again on the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You may be seated. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? You ask that question and you will get probably about as many answers as you do ask the people that question. There are so many ideas, and many of them are not correct, of what it truly means to be a Christian. You ask some folks, and they believe that belonging to a Christian church is all it takes to make one a Christian. You ask other folks, and they believe that baptism or the completion of confirmation classes is all that it would take to make one a Christian. And still you ask others, And they believe that being a religious, being a moral good person is all that is needed for one to wear the name of Christian. However, not everyone who claims to be a Christian is one. Did you realize that? That just because a person says I'm a Christian does not necessarily mean that they are a Christian. And you say, well, Brother Brad, how can you say that? Because there are even cults that consider themselves to be Christians. The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, claim to be of like faith with us. They claim to be Christians just like us. But if you read the Word of God, if you see what the Word of God says that it means to be a Christian, and you see what they believe, you know the very Word of God says that they aren't. And so what is a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? The answer to that question requires us to look at what Christian means in and of itself. The word Christian literally means little anointed ones. And the name was first given to the followers of Jesus in a place called Antioch. And we see that in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And history tells us 
that this was not a compliment from the people. That this was actually a term of contempt towards the followers of Jesus. The people of Antioch were pagans. And because of that, they were offended by the clean lifestyles. They were offended by the preaching against their sins of the believers. And so they gave them this name of Christian as an insult. Little anointed ones. It was used mockingly as somebody might say, oh, well, aren't you a goody two-shoes? Aren't you a goody-goody? Don't you think you're the teacher's pet? That kind of a thing. It was used as a term of contempt against the followers of Jesus. But instead of insulting the believers, it perfectly summed up the image that they were attempting to project to their lost neighbors. You see, they as Christians desired to be little anointed ones. They wanted to be those who were striving to be just like Jesus. And people in our culture are also thoroughly confused about what it truly means to be a Christian. Just going to or joining a church does not make you a Christian. Being a good religious person does not make you a Christian. Just claiming the name for yourself, just claiming the name and slapping it on your organization does not make you a Christian. To be a Christian means that you become like Jesus, a little anointed one. Real Christians are people who are living like their Savior, living like their Lord, living like Jesus. So in this passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples about his impending death. We see that in verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and then be raised again on the third day. And because it is in this verse that we see the answer to that most important question, what does it mean to be a Christian? That's what we're going to focus on this morning. Why is it important that we answer that question? Because as individuals, many have no idea of what the Christian life is really supposed to be about. It's not about following rules. It's not about being religious, as so many people think. We need to understand what it's really all about. And because as a church, too often we have left the heart of faith behind in order to be pleasing to the world around us. Well, if I, if I really live like that, man, it would make me radical, and I'm not sure people would, would, would accept that. And so we've gone in another direction. And so the message this morning, this passage this morning, is calling believers to return to the heart of what it truly means to be a Christian. I want to point out the simple steps Jesus gives to us if we really want to follow him. If we will hear his voice, if we'll heed these words, then we can experience real Christianity. And if we experience real Christianity, then we will truly, truly impact the culture around us. We will actually impact Marshall County. We will actually impact the Commonwealth of Kentucky. We will actually impact our nation and the world if we are truly Christians in the sense that Jesus says here. And so the first thing we must do, we must find our heart. We must find our heart. Jesus says, if any man will come after me, Jesus alone is the heart of all we do as believers. If we're going to experience the power of biblical Christianity in our lives and in our church, then we're going to have to find our heart. 
The simple, that simply means that we're going to have to discover what excites our heart. What gets us excited? And we begin that process by asking ourselves a couple of very simple questions. And the first question that we must ask ourselves is, why are you here? Why are you here physically this morning? What are you doing in this place? Why are you here? You always get what you come after. Did you know that? You will receive what you come after. And so we're all here. We're all sitting in these pews this morning. And you all look exceptionally nice this morning. I mean, excellent job getting ready. But we've all come perhaps for different reasons. Some of us are here this morning because of expectations. Our spouse expects for us to be here. Our parents ex expect for us to be here. Our friends expect for us to be here. The culture expects for us to be here. And so we're here because it's the expectation that we will be here. And so we're simply here out of expectation. Some of us feel like we're, out, we're here out of duty. You know, it's my duty to go to church. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do, and I have a duty to be there, and so I have a duty to be at work on Monday morning. I have a duty to be at church on Sunday morning. We do it out of duty. Some people are here out of habit. Maybe you were born, and you ended up in church that next Sunday, and so you know what? You ended up in church the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that, and you don't know anything else to do on Sunday, and so out of habit, you continue to come to church. Maybe you continue to come to church on Sunday nights, too. And for that, I would be amazed. Maybe it has even become a habit for you to come on Wednesday nights. But you're really here because it's a habit. Well, where else would I go? What do people do on Sunday morning if they don't go to church? It's just the habit you've gotten into. For some, it's to see and be seen. You want to see who's here. You want to see who they're with. And you want to see what they're wearing. And you also want people to see you here and who you're with and what you're wearing. To see and to be seen. Some people are here because they love the church. And by that I mean you love your family that's here. Whether that be blood relation or just your church family. You just love being with the people of your church. These are your closest friendships. These are your closest relationships. You love the church because you love the people of the church. And I, I could say that's, you know, I love the people of church. I see you all more than I see my actual family. Um, you know, a lot of my family lives off from here. And they, you know, we just don't get together as a lot of us. We don't get together as much as we get, with, get together with our church. And so we love the church. But perhaps you're here. Perhaps you're here this morning because you love the Lord and you desire to worship him. And let me tell you something. This is the only valid reason for attending church now you're always going to benefit from being here you're always going to benefit from being at church but we all need to reach that place where we're really solely coming to this place not because we feel obligated not because it's a habit not simply because we love the people around us but we come because Jesus Christ is preeminent in our lives and we want to be in a place where we can lift up and glorify his name. We need to get to the place where that's the reason we're here. You always get what you come after. But also, secondly, why does this church exist? Now, churches exist for a lot of different reasons. Too often, churches exist because there was a point in time, uh, 20 years ago, 
40 years ago, 60 years ago, 80, 100 years ago, when somebody started a church in a particular place, but the reason for that church being started has long since been forgotten. And no longer is the church functioning and doing what it was planted in that particular place to do. Far too often, churches have just become places for people to come and hang out, and we've forgotten what the church is really supposed to be all about. And you say, well, what does that mean? What's the church supposed to be all about? I'm glad you asked that question, because the answer to it is three. Number one, to exalt our Savior. Brinesburg Baptist Church and any other church that's truly a church exists to exalt the Savior, to lift up the name of Jesus. But secondly, we exist to edify the saints. What does that mean? We exist so that believers might grow and be discipled and mature in their faith, that we might progress in that sanctification process of day by day becoming more and more like Jesus. And so to edify the saints but thirdly to evangelize the sinners to evangelize the sinners we exist partly for those who are not yet here we exist for those who do not yet have a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that's why we exist we exist to exalt the Savior we exist to edify the saints and we exist to evangelize the sinners all three of these can be seen in action in the life of the early church. You look at Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, and it says, Then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods, and they parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. When the call, come after me, is issued by Jesus, it will register differently depending upon the condition of the heart of the one who hears it. And I say that because to the lost person, it says, be saved. It says, Jesus can, can give you a new heart. He can replace the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. But to the one, to, to, to the saved person, it says, be sold out. Jesus can refocus your heart. It is possible to be saved and, and active and still not have a heart for him. So in all honesty today, not before me, um, but before God, what excites your heart? What's get, what gets you excited? What is the heartbeat of your life this morning? Do you as an individual need to rediscover your heartbeat? I know that as a church, there are times when all of us could use that. But what excites your heart as a Christian? But secondly, we must focus our heart. Jesus calls his disciples to come 
after. If we are really in love with Jesus, and he is in the center of our, of our heart and all that we do, there will be a desire for us to be where he is. And so we need the same hunger to follow the Lord that dwelled within the heart of David. As he, as he spoke about his heart to, to be with Jesus was like the way that the deer panteth after water. That it was the necessity of his life that he couldn't live without it. For the disciples of Jesus, this call to follow him meant the forsaking of everything else in life. For us, it may come to mean the very same thing of, of leaving all behind. You see, your life boils down to nothing more than your priorities. Did you realize that? Your life boils down to your priorities. And I say that because you go where you want to go. Am I right? You go where you want to go. And you will do what you want to do. Am I right? And you will follow who you want to follow. And actually, you're willing to do what you love to do. And so I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how expensive it is. I don't care how crazy everybody else may think it is. If it is your priority, you're going to go and you're going to do it. And that's seen because of the way that we will do things like driving to the other side of the country to kill an elk. It's crazy, but it's our priority. We will get up at 3 a.m. to be at a ball game on the other side of the state. Why? Because it is our priority. And it comes down to the fact that we love it. We love hunting. We love sports. We love whatever that is that, that we're wanting to go after. And so we're willing to do it because it's our priority. The Lord's call is for us to focus our hearts upon him and go with him wherever he leads us. Men throughout scripture have understood this singular call upon their lives. We think about the psalmist in Psalm 108 verse, verse 1. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Or we think about David in Psalm 27, 4 when he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Or the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians 3, 13 through 15, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize, the hall calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. All three of these are instances of single-minded devotion to follow the Lord wherever he leads. And so, what has your heart today what has the priority what has preeminence in your heart today who is first in your life today may the lord help us all to come to the place where nothing in our lives means more to us than jesus christ and his leadership of our lives
May we come to that place and remain in that place of centrally being focused in every aspect of our life, singularly focusing our heart that we be about the things that Christ is about. That we as a church body be about the things that Christ is about. But then thirdly, we must follow our heart. We must follow our heart. If Jesus has our heart, and if we are in love with him more than anything else in this world, and if we are focused on his will for us and upon the leadership of of him in our lives and the life of our church, then we need to take whatever steps then might be necessary to see that we follow our heart. If he is our heart, then we must follow him. And so we are called to lay something down. We're called to lay something down. What is that? He tells us, deny himself. Deny yourself. This phrase literally means to completely disown, to utterly separate oneself from someone. It's actually the same word that describes Peter's denial of Jesus there outside of the high priest's home when he denied three times and the last time with a curse that he had any knowledge that he had any relationship that he had any connection at all with Jesus it's that complete denial well that's the same word that's used here of denying self the same word the disciple is to utterly disown himself to refuse to acknowledge the self of the old man we're to count the old man as being dead we are to make no provision he says for the flesh to deny oneself means to follow the example that's set forth by the Lord himself as, it, as he came into this world. And he lived as a man, 100% man, while continuing to be 100% God. As he lived as a servant, as he washed feet, as he went to the cross, as he died in our place, as he was buried and entombed for three days, then arose. We're to live our lives as one alive to God, but dead to sin and to the world. That sounds pretty hard, because it is hard. Denying self in this culture is hard. Self does not like to be denied, but until it is, we cannot possibly follow Jesus like he desires for us to follow him. But also, we are called to lift something up. What are we to lift up? He says, take up his cross. Wow. When Jesus spoke those words, take up his cross, everyone in the audience knew exactly what Jesus was referring to, and it was not a piece of popular jewelry. You see, some have estimated that over 30,000 Jews were crucified during the lifetime of Jesus. Somewhere around 1,000 per year of, of the time Jesus was alive. Massive numbers of people were crucified. Massive numbers of Jews' lives were taken through, through crucifixion. So when Jesus says that we are to take up the cross, he's saying that we are to live as dead men. You see, to take up one's cross was a death mark. It was an understanding that all was being left behind. Their walk under that cross always ended with them upon that cross. They began a process from which there was no retreat, there was no turning back. To take up your cross was to embrace death itself. 
And this is just what Jesus did when he came to this world. He embraced the cross. He came, that, that precious little baby in the manger that we love to, to celebrate through the nativity at Christmas, that precious baby came to die on the cross. Singular focus. To set the example that we might follow. So to understand what this cross means that Jesus refers to, we need to talk about what it isn't. So many people say, well, that's just my cross to bear. We sometimes don't understand what that means. You see, this cross isn't the lost family member or friend. It isn't a, the wayward child. It isn't your difficult relationship. Your cross isn't your difficulties or your bad situations in life that you are facing. The cross is not just a place of suffering. It is a place of death. And so to take up one's cross means to willingly pick up and carry the shame. People mocked men upon the cross. They spit upon men upon the cross. We think about today, people will um, carry a cross across a large, maybe across the United States or across a state or, or, you know, wherever it may be, but they're, you know, to draw attention to a, a Christian cause and they will be cheered on as they carry that cross but a man under a cross in Jesus's day would have been jeered rather than cheered the rejection the suffering the death that Jesus himself willingly carried for us we are embracing that to take up your cross means that you are willing to identify yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ his death his words regardless of what it might cost you personally or, or publicly or financially, you're following him completely. And that's not a side of Christianity that we talk much about because you know what? It's not real popular. That's not something that's going to drive crowds like health and wealth. Whoa, you know what? You're going to have to suffer if you're going to follow Jesus. So it's not something that, that people want to advertise. It isn't popular to talk about sacrifice. It's not popular to talk about death. It's not popular to talk about suffering. But that is what Christianity is all about. The sooner we learn that truth, the sooner that God can and will send the revival that we claim we all want so desperately. But we have to embrace exactly what Jesus embraced. His church must embrace exactly what he embraced. Then revival will come, and then his name will be lifted up and glorified. But also, we're called to live something out. We're called to live something out. Out. Notice what he says here. Follow me. It's such a simple command while also being such a difficult command. Follow me. We're called upon to take up that cross once and for all, once and, for all and to go after Jesus. We're not to back out. We're not to turn around. We're not to lay down that cross at any moment. We are to die on that cross giving our all for the glory of Christ. This phrase has the idea of being willing to go all the way for Jesus. No hose barred, no turning back, just a steady, humble walk that follows his footsteps and his path through this world. Jesus said, very simply, as simply as he possibly could, in John chapter 12, verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. 
It's not an easy life, but it's a life of purpose. It's a life lived for the glory of God. And so if you want to be saved this morning, then you can be. I want you to hear that. If you want to be saved this morning, you can be. But there's only one way that that's ever going to happen. And that is through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is inflexible and firm on this point. In fact, he has stated in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other way. You're not going to get saved because of baptism. You're not going to get saved because you came to church enough. You're not going to get saved because your grandparents were saved or because your spouse was saved or because your pastor thought that you were saved. It's only going to be through a relationship, not through a religion, but through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God has made up his mind about the matter, and if you want to be saved, you can be, but only on his terms because he is Lord. And you are not. But friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, he is also just as inflexible when it comes to this matter of being his disciple. If we want to experience what it truly means to be a Christian, then we will have to meet him on his terms. You see, you can have as much or you can have as little of God as you want. The question is, what do you want? What is your priority? How much of Jesus do you really want? Because if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then I invite you to hear and to heed the word of the Savior again this morning. Come after him. Deny yourself. Take up the cross. And follow him. No turning back. That is what it means to be a Christian. And until you come to him on his terms, you will never experience all that he has for you. And so are you a Christian this morning? Are you a Christian in the terms of what our culture thinks a Christian is? Or are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's a difference follow him. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and I know that this morning you're speaking to many in many different ways today. I've got some friends here this morning, and they're not here by accident. They're not here by happenstance. They're here by divine appointment, because Lord, you wanted to speak a word to them, and you wanted to cut through the clutter, and you wanted to cut through the noise, and you wanted to explain to them what it truly means to have a relationship with you. And Lord, they've heard it this morning, and they understand that it's not about following rules, but it's about embracing a relationship with the living Lord. And Lord, today they recognize that they are a sinner, and that they're in need of a Savior. They're in need of a Lord. They're in need of you, Jesus Christ, the only way to salvation. Others this morning recognize that they need to follow you. Maybe some need to make this their church home. Maybe some need to recommit their hearts to ministry. And they need to come to this altar and just spend some time praying for loved ones and praying for the ministry that you've laid it on their hearts. Some have other issues that they need to lift up. And Lord, I might not know those specifically myself, but Lord, you know them in, in the finer detail than they know them themselves. And so, Lord, help us to respond to you. 
Lord, help us follow you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. To your honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come, stand, let's, let's sing.